the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2 of our daily three-hour tour. It's a privilege to bring to the show, I think as a first-time guest, the uh, brand-new CEO and president of the Arizona Chamber of of Commerce, someone I have known a very long time, and that is Danny Seiden. It was dawning on me this week as I was reading a lot of what the Biden administration was up to on the spending side. There wasn't enough discussion about the problem that in um, affects the taxing side, the side that will disrupt employment, the side that will disrupt growth. And there is uh, no one more focused on that than Danny Seiden, who heads up our Arizona chamber. Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Well, Seth, thank you so much for having me on. And, and you know, like I, like you said, we've known each other a long time, and I'm a longtime fan, so I appreciate it. This is the first time I've been on. Uh, the chambers have people on in the past, and this is my first run at it. So I look forward to come on and talking about the very troubling spending um, of the, the Biden administration uh, is one thing, but how we're going to pay for it is probably what scares me the most. Okay, good. Do um, that I'm, for us. Yeah, put those. Uh, make the nexus for us of the problem. Yeah, put it together. You, you, you got it. You know, I'm in a nonpartisan position for the most part, and um, why I like some of the focus on on this idea of bringing jobs and semiconductors back, and we're seeing that with Intel's planned investment in Arizona and TSMC's planned investment in Arizona. What scares me and what could bring us all to a tragic end is when you start hearing about this corporate tax increase coming out of the Biden administration. The original uh, plan from the Biden administration, this is President Biden, was to take the Trump-era corporate tax rate of 21% to 28%. If you remember, we got to 21% thanks to the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, which was done during um, the prior administration. And the Arizona Chamber was the state business community's most vocal proponent of the TCJA. And, you know, just a little history, since we love talking about President Reagan going way, way back, um, he cut that rate to 35%, and that made the U.S. the lowest corporate rate in the world. And, you know, other countries caught on to what this meant as they watched us grow. And decades later, U.S. then had the globe's highest corporate tax rate. Now, then, you know, years later, under President Trump, we were able to move back down to a low tax rate. And here we are, again, looking at increasing that rate. And it would just be a big fool's errand if we did something like that. Talk to so, me. Yeah, no, go ahead. You're good. Go ahead, sir. No, 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 you. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because when we talk about the corporate tax rate, uh, the, the the way we frame it, the way it tends to get framed, that's a better locution, the way it tends to get framed is, you'll see why I'm using the passive voice in a moment, the way it tends to get framed is as something that just um, affects uh, the CEOs of corporations and the uh, stockholders in the corporations. Very few people ever put together a notion I learned long ago from my old boss, Jack Kemp, that you can't make life easier on the employee class by making it harder on the employer class. And I just always wished a statement like that could be put over the Office of Management and Budget. It never seemed, my idea never seems to take, though. Well, you know, they should take that idea because you're, you're spot on, Seth. 
um, this idea that corporations don't pay taxes or if they do, it does just hit the CEO is, is wrong. It's just flat incorrect. When a corporation, uh, when a corporate tax is assigned, here's who pays it. These are taxes on people. These are taxes on its workers, its consumers, its stockholders, and it, it goes all the way down. They bear a sizable share of the corporate tax burden. So it's very important that we pay attention to that, and it's very true. Higher taxes on job creators mean fewer resources to hire, give raises, and expand operations. And we did see when those corporate tax reductions went in, we did see um, raises, uh, higher wages. That, th- these are all facts. Uh, so the inverse has been true, as your old boss, Jack Kemp, would say. Well, it's interesting, too, because the, the evidence is, uh, uh, is proliferant, but at the same time, the talking point from those who opposed it uh, is that those taxes went uh, to a very small uh, minority of Americans. That's a false talking point. That's that's. Uh, can I get away with saying it, it? It's fake news. It's looking at one out year that hasn't transpired yet, and it just seems to me that uh, if we're talking about uh, what we saw as you know a massive recovery and massive spikes in employment, including into precincts, our country and our country's economists have not been able to reach, I'm talking about particularly urban areas and deprived areas, if we know what happened when we made employment easier, uh, we can see in the notion that we try not to replicate failure and we would like to replicate success what the opposite effect will have, can't we? I mean, I would think that there's still that semblance of common sense in this country. I don't ever want to make any kind of assumption about what kind of common exa- common sense exists um, in the Beltway back in Washington. That's a fair point. I will, I will <laughs> say we are lucky um, to have some good leadership from from this state. Uh, we've we've seen good representation on. We have two senators right now, believe it or not, who did not sign on to the Pro Act. Now, um, you know, George Will recently wrote a column about uh, these corporate tax increases, and he noted in it, and I love this line. That capital, and I would I would add this is you know capital investment in corporations. They go where they're welcome, and they stay where they're well treated. That's right. right. And so states, when we're competing for this capital investment, and when we're competing for these corporations, we we have to have things like a right to work atmosphere. We have to have things like low corporate tax rates. We have to stay competitive, and that's true globally. If you want to use a state as a microcosm and then move it on up, it's true globally as well. So um, I think you're right, and uh, I, I, I do want to give credit where credit is due that they haven't signed on to that PRO Act yet, and I hope that they stay strong on that. I do too, because while you have been making that case and the chamber in Arizona has been making that case, and I've humbly been trying to make it as best I can for many, 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 many years, we are now getting to uh, some kind of saturation point where it's actually being heard. The case is actually, I gather, being heard in places like California. There is a reason Californians are coming to Arizona. There is a reason that the governor of California is facing a recall after all. And there is a reason that uh, you and the governor are not facing recalls. Neither is the Texas governor, right? Yes, correct. Um, you know, don't jinx me. I have, you know, I'm, I'm on day like 37 of this new job, and I've yet to yet to face a, a recall or, in my case, a firing. Well, let me do this. Let me predict that you will be recalled because none of my predictions come true. 
Oh, thanks, Seth. You're That's welcome. Good. Give me the reverse. The reverse. There you go. And Governor du- Governor Ducey has not faced the recall. The <laughs> go- Governor Newsom is facing a recall, and you know I'm not I'm not like my predecessor in the sense that I feel like we have to bash California all the time. I think they have enough of their own problems. No, but we can analyze the we- reason we're getting more people, right? Uh, that's a hundred percent correct. You know, we we can criticize by competing, and people vote with their feet. And we are growing exponentially right now. And I would just point to the fact that the Arizona economy is doing exceptionally well. The U.S. economy and job careers are putting the pandemic-induced downturn in the rearview mirror. And why would we want to throw sand in the gears? And that's exactly what a corporate tax increase from Washington would do. And that's what one um, at the state level would do, by the way, which is why I'm very pleased with what the Arizona legislature and the governor did last session locally here. Danny, looking around the country, and starting with, I guess, Washington and the centrifugal force it has on the rest of the country, do you worry about lockdowns again? I'm beginning to worry a little bit about it. You know, um, there's no denying, and I want to you know, speak frankly on this for a yeah. second, that mm-hmm. when you look at who's going to the hospital and these numbers going up, that it's unvaccinated people, I, depending on which state, and you know, I don't know the, the current national aggre- aggregated average, it's always in the high 96, 97, 98 percentile of, of people going to the hospital and the deaths are attributed to unvaccinated people. So the first thing I would like to say is, you know, well, I don't believe in any kind of mandate and I never will believe in a government mandate. I would hope people who, are, who, who can get vaccinated will go get vaccinated because I hate to see any death that's preventable not be prevented. So especially when we have science and we have this miraculous vaccine, let's do it. Let's get people vaccinated so that we're not even having this conversation. So these things that are preventable are being prevented. Um, now, you heard the governor of Arizona today say that he won't listen to a lockdown. Lobby. I cheered. I so cheered. Yeah. 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 That won't prevail here. I think you've seen governors like Governor DeSantis in Florida say, the, I think, say similar stuff. Mm-hmm. And he has shown a lot of leadership against that. I imagine Pro-growth states like Texas, Florida, they, they don't believe in these types of things. But at the same time, you are seeing Republican governors coming out and saying enough is enough. Get vaccinated because they care about people. They want them to get vaccinated. You could lock everyone down and that's not going to stop people from not getting vaccinated. That's, that's just one thing we learned. There's no playbook that works. One, you know, one state better than the other on who locks people down more over who didn't lock people down enough. They don't want to admit that, but that's the, that's the truth. So locking things down doesn't do anything, you know, in terms of forcing people to get vaccinated. What we are seeing now are some employers are mandating that, that people get vaccinated, and that's within their right, and that will probably save some life. And then um, other employers won't do that. You know, one of the things that's always uh, I've always loved about the Arizona Chamber, Danny, is its involvement in everything that goes towards a healthy, safe and uh, prosperous business environment, and that's looking beyond just corporate bottom lines. You guys have always been involved in the debates about education You've uh, and, 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 and creating a community where we can have uh, a strong, uh, educated population that our employers can hire, that uh, can lead a pathway to employment. Same, too, with crime. Uh, you guys have been heavily involved in, in, in that issue because businesses don't move to uh, where, 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 where there's crime and where police aren't going to arrest uh, uh, misdemeanor or even felony thefts. How are we doing in Arizona? Also, a little bit better than some of our other um, our other neighbors and fellow states, right? 
Yes. Well, I'll, let me let me start with education. Uh, I would say that you know the, the 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 Chamber of Commerce has always supported school choice and in all of the above approach, mm-hmm. and that is because we do not want a child or a family to be trapped by a zip code or you know you know trapped by a bad school or forced to go to a school that doesn't fit with what their needs are. That we want them to have access to any school that they could possibly get. So open enrollment is something we supported. In fact, the chamber lobbied for stronger open enrollment. Last session was successful. We realized that transportation was one of the barriers. In last session, there was a bill that uh, that, that pushed a solution to that and pr- provided funds. So um, the days of the old yellow school bus need to become a little bit more modernized, and there will be funding for that. And the chamber was one of the pr- top proponents of that as well. Danny's. We're also looking. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, good. I was going to say, you mentioned workforce. Yeah. We're facing this massive labor shortage right now. You know, in June, the, the job numbers that posted were 38,000. That's eye popping. That's mm-hmm. six times the national average, uh, our, our, our usual average, I'm sorry, from year to year. And so we put $1 million to fund career and technical education certificate exams because we need welders, we need plumbers, high paying high-skilled jobs. We need people to get out there. And we're also out there trying to recruit nurses, doctors, etc. So the chamber is working on all of this, and Arizona is doing well. The job market is hot. The education is our, our school choice ranks top in the, in the country, always in the top five, and we're not stopping. We're going to keep going. So and you've got I, and you've got a kick butt manufacturing uh, outfit too uh, to to bring manufacturing oh, we, we back do. here in Arizona too, don't you? We we do, and that is that is so evident. You know, uh, ten years ago we were more reliant on construction and real estate development. Now we have manufacturing jobs outnumbering construction jobs. And one of the healthiest signs of your economy is when you look at your manufacturing se- sector. And we have over one hundred eighty thousand jobs right now. In the manufacturing sector, and those, I think the average wage is almost ninety thousand dollars, and that's twice that of non-farm uh, private sector jobs. So it's very well. Our manufacturing sector is booming right now, and the Arizona Manufacturers Council is part of the Arizona Chamber, one of our partnering groups. And you know Allison Grigg very well; she works with me, and we're lucky to have her and the council as part of our team. Nicely put, Danny. This will be a down payment uh, of many more returns, I hope. And I am so glad that uh, you are now at the helm of the chamber, Danny. And I am so glad to have you uh, with your uh, debut on this show. Please come back regularly. Please come back often. Uh, You may have a lot of fans um, in this state, but a few bigger than me. I guarantee you that. Well, thank you so much, Seth. Thank you for the opportunity. And I will say lastly, just on crime. We do care about the safety of our employees, and we want to see our rates come down uh, in terms of violent crime as well. So the chamber will be behind any initiative we can to make sure that happens, too. So thank you, Seth. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, You know, let's be kind to each other, and let's keep the economy going strong. I love it. azchamber.com for people that want to learn more. Danny Seiden, bless you. Godspeed, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, my friend. You betcha. Have a good weekend. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Harsha is in Phoenix. Hello, Harsha. 
Hi. How are you? Okay. Uh, I'm going to be very quick about this. You know what's happening? I'll tell you. These people don't appreciate this country. And these and the people that are trying to change this country. And what they're doing is they're pulling on Superman's cape. And he's, if Superman gets angry enough, there's going to be a counter-revolution. I understand the sentiment. I understand why it leads to anger. But I do take the point. And the point is this. It's the point that the progressives keep pushing. And this is very very, very important. When they push too hard, there tends to be a rubber band effect. Think about Hillary Clinton, excuse me, Hillary Care and Bill Clinton in 92-3. And think about the Gingrich Revolution of 94. First time a Republican majority in the House of Representatives in 50 years. Think about the aggression of 8-9 and the Tea Party comeback of the House taking majority again in 2010. Now, what's happened since 2010, which to many seems like yesterday, but let me make you feel old. It's 11 years ago. What happened in 2010 since has been a little uneven. It's Understood by a lot of people, I think, what Republicans stand for generally, generally. And it's understood when we have people who argue and make the case for it and give you a reason to believe in it. It's much the same with war. There's a scholar at UNC named Corey Dauber who did a lot of interesting work on uh, military initiatives having to do with if American people, the American people understand the mission, if they comprehend and support the mission, but comprehension and understanding is the most important element. If they comprehend and support the mission, they can deal with setbacks and they can deal even with, in Corey Dauber's graphic phraseology, body bags. This obviously was a huge problem with Iraq and Afghanistan. The mission became more and more clouded. That's the same thing about our movement, which is why people could rally around the messaging of a Newt Gingrich. He gave them a reason in 94 and 95 and 96 to be a conservative, to be a Republican, to vote Republican. Donald Trump did that. But in between Newt Gingrich and the Jim DeMint Tate Party of 2010, let's say, and the one-off of 2016, there's a lot of space and a lot of time and a lot of wasted and non-effort. And right now, that's exactly why you hear me so optimistic and rah-rah, you'd think I'd have a better word for it, for people like Ron DeSantis and people like Larry Elder, the next governor of California. There is probably nothing as strong as a team of policy activists, as articulate as just those two. Now consider giving them five more.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, These are not small things, though they may sound like it to you. I think they are essential things. I think they are foundational. The notion that conservatives should be deplatformed and censored for spreading false information versus this. Listen to Jen Psaki today. Vaccination status is important. They're vaccinated here in the White House Medical Unit for the most part. Go ahead. I'll call it. Kelly, I'm sorry. I'll come to you next. Two questions that I come One, this administration has long claimed that you're trying to get the most transparent history. If that's the case, why won't you just release the number of breakthrough cases that you've had of vaccinated staffers? Well, I think first we're in a very different place than we were six to seven months ago as it relates to the virus. Uh, and as many medical experts have said, inside and outside of the government, uh, those who are vaccinated are protected from serious illness. Most are asymptomatic if they are individuals who are vaccinated who get the virus. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are in a different place uh, in terms of the impact of individuals who may Just have, as you said, breakthrough cases. What she's talking about are breakthrough cases. This is, in the age of COVID, I suppose, yet another neologism we're going to have to familiarize ourselves. What's a breakthrough case, you may ask? Breakthrough case, it's an interesting thing. It has a name. It's someone who gets COVID after having been vaccinated. Now, you'd think if there's even a name for this thing that, the president of the United States who campaigned on the dishonesty of Donald Trump with regard to COVID wouldn't say such stupid things like, if you get vaccinated, you won't get COVID. There's, in fact, a name for that situation. So Jen Psaki's being asked about it because evidently there are people in the White House beyond what we knew who have been vaccinated and are testing positive for COVID. Now, when the Trump administration had people getting COVID. They were called super spreaders. I remember jokes like, what do they have, a COVID sauna in the White House that the staffers are just walking in and out of? And of course, the Trump White House would identify, if not by name, certainly the number. And I do remember a few names, uh, Steve Miller, etc., uh, Kellyanne at the time. Uh, they did release names uh, uh, in retrospect, but they also released the numbers of people who obtained COVID. The reporter is asking Jen Psaki, why this White House won't do the same, why it won't admit that there is COVID amongst the vaccinated in the White House. And she's saying the circumstances were different back then. Do you know why they were different back then? Why were they different back then, Bill? Yeah, they were Republicans. See, because we don't don't politicize this disease or this virus. That's why the circumstances were different. Pick her up again. Go ahead. Take her out. Just provide the number. Are you trying to hide something? No, but what is the? Why do you need to have that information? Why do you need to have that? Stop! Why do you need to have that information? Has a press secretary in the United States ever asked that question of a reporter? Ever? If Kaylee McEnany said to um, Jim Acosta at CNN, "Why do you need to know that?" That would be the headline. That would be the issue. No one has ever said that to a member of the press. Why do you need to know that? In fact, I'm going to guess professional media trainers will tell you never to say such a thing because it only raises the suspicion. There is kind of an iron rule in talking to the press, which is if you deny 
an answer, if you evade an answer, most members of the press realize there's a reason for the denial and the evasion. Jen Psaki says, why do you need to know how many people at the White House have COVID? I don't know. For the same reason that NBC, ABC, New York Times, CBS, PBS, NPR, BBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and and I don't know if I mentioned the Washington Post, and every single paper in the country cared about when what that number was when it was the Trump White House. That's the answer. That's the answer, Jen. Let her keep going. Information. Why do you need case it? of transparency to transparency. the public, understand, having a better understanding of how breakthrough cases work here. Yeah, thank well, you. Thank are... you for explaining to the press secretary that uh, there is such a thing as transparency and the curiosity and interest of the public. Yes, this from the administration that promised to be the most transparent in history. Why do you need to know that? Why do you need to know that? Oh, and only Hunter Biden will know. Only Hunter Biden will know who's buying his art at $500,000 a pop. That information of who? Ironclad will stop with Hunter Biden. I guarantee it. And no one else will make any deals or money off those transactions. So spaketh the White House. Oh, I wanted to say something about the kids in America. Bear with me. I'll do so in a minute. Bill, remind me to say something about the kids in America. Before I do, I want to uh, thank Trades Unlimited for sponsoring portions of this show. Trades Unlimited is here for all your roofing needs. Great Arizona company. I know the people well. How do I know them? I have visited them. I've been to the, down to their warehouse. And I'm a customer. I am a customer of Trades Unlimited. I had a roofing issue, and they came and took care of it. Great people. Great work ethic. All your roofing needs, whether it's new, whether it's installation, whether it's repair, estimates, you name it. Trades Unlimited is the company for you, and they are expert, particularly wanting me to tell you about foam roofs right now. The hot summer sun is perfect for foam roofs, prevents the heat, exterior noise, and importantly, especially on a day like today, your house from water leaks. Quality and service is what you'll come to know with Trades Unlimited. So for any and all your roofing needs, don't wait until it's too late. Call Trades Unlimited at 480-483-1775 or find them online. Find them online at tradesunlimited.com. It's the company I use. It's the company I hope you'll use. Dana's in Chandler. Hello, Dana. Hello, Seth. How are you today? Good. I'm doing fine. It was... uh, Whenever there's a day like today, I, I open up, I crack open the old cat in the hat. I just love the opening, you know? <laughs> Sorry, that's the little 10-week-old the, the back there screaming at me from his pen over there. So uh, ten week? You have younger than 10 it. weeks, though, don't you? I, I do. I have, a, I have one 10-week-old left. The other one was sold, and I have um, a litter of two-week-olds. Aw, it's just the happiest <laughs> life in Chandler. Here. Dana lives the happiest yes. life in Chandler, yeah. I do. I am truly, truly blessed. I got to ask you, so this whole thing with Jen Psaki today, I'm sorry. I just find it so humorous. If we don't need to know how many people in the White House have COVID, why do we need to know how many people anywhere have COVID? Uh, That's a great point. Why do we need numbers anywhere? No, actually, I hadn't made that connection, and that's a really good point. Why are we keeping track of numbers at all? Why at all? Right. Right. 
I Why guess I get. I, so what she's admitting is what we have been suspect uh, suspicious of for a great, great, great long time. They a different rule applies to them. If you go to the White House, the rules don't you. apply to you. That's right. That's right. Right. They, they, they could care less how many. So why should we care? Well, I got to tell you, it's fairly it's a fairly sinister thing that's going on right now. Can I put you on hold and come back to you in a second? I want to play a little audio because I want to complete this point with you, with the audience, Dana, if you don't mind. Um, and if you want to, you know, give a little what do you give to a puppy that's crying a little a little alarm clock, <laughs> a little wind up clock. I'm not sure. Uh, but, Bill, uh, so Jen Psaki tells the American people they don't need to know who, how many people in the White House have been vaccinated and obtained COVID, although we know at least one from meeting with the legislators from Texas, whom we know at least six of were vaccinated fully and, and obtained COVID. Um, do me the favor of, even though we know those to be the cases, do me the favor of what Joe Biden said two nights ago on CNN at the town hall. Give me Joe Biden. The various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're, you're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID. You're not going to get COVID if you get vaccinated. That's a lie. It's an untruth at worst. Now give me Fauci from this morning. For the unvaccinated, that means not only getting infected. That if you're not vaccinated, you're going to get infected. It's not true. It's demonstrably not true. Official numbers of the percentage of Americans who have been affected, infected, isn't greater than 10 or 11 percent. Now, we know that's a low number. I get it. But what's the high number? And when we were talking about high numbers due to asymptomatic cases, we were told not to count those. So, you know, you tell me what square I'm supposed to stand on, depending on who the president is, because we don't politicize the science. But if you want to take the maximum number that's been estimated of cases we don't know about and say 50 percent of the population, fine. That doesn't mean the other 50 percent are automatically going to get covid. People talk about case spikes, case spikes. I get that, too. I do. And what was the number I saw this morning? 32,000. Woe is me. Fine. I'm old enough to remember last year when the spikes we cared about were in the hundreds of thousands. Okay, Dana, sorry about that. I just had to do I had to complete that thought. No, I it, it, it's it, there's so much untruth going on out there now that it, it makes my head spin. And it's hard. Well, it's hard to how... keep count. I mean, you know, I'm I'm close with, um, you know, uh, uh, three three friends um, who we talk about this quite regularly, and we're not exactly all in the same space on it, but we're all really good friends and close to the same space on it, close to it. And one of the things one of them said this morning when we were talking about all this new stuff that's coming out, like we just played in audio one of the things that one of them said was and they're a little to my a little to my left on on this stuff if you can say it's a left right thing um you know what i'm saying in any event they said you know it just turns out that it seems like nobody knows anything because things keep changing we go it's it's an odd thing dana that you can go from an adamant anthony fauci saying do not wear masks. Masks can cause other problems. It's an amazing thing to go from there 
to wearing two masks from the same man without anyone asking what changed in the science. Do you notice that? Do you have an audio? Have you ever heard audio of Fauci explaining why that change took place? No, you do not have that audio from Fauci because he's gotten away with not having to explain it. Dana, they have been wrong about so much, so much, that you wonder who's right. And the only conclusion I draw from that is, then quit telling me what to do. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Fauci changes his mind like the wind. I'm open totally to the notion that we change our minds when the facts change or when the science changes. The CDC up on its website right now, right now, I checked it before air, right now, the CDC says that unless the science changes, their recommendations will not change about children needing to wear masks. What science is going to change? Joe Biden is now talking about the need for children to wear masks and get vaccinated. You know exactly what the syllogism is going to be, don't you, Dana? It'll go from that concept to the NEA and the AFT saying, right, we are not going to put our teachers in danger until every child is vaccinated or masked if not vaccinated. And guess where we're going to be again? No in-classroom. It's exactly where we're going again. Many, many tekel a person. If someone can tell me what that is, I'll send them a book. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. All right, good. I'm glad that uh, people are uh, biblically literate. Craig, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you, Seth. Mene, mene, tekel a parson. You're not going to get that on a lot of radio shows in America. No, you would not. I was quite surprised to hear you say that. Yeah, well, how how, how is my Babylonian Babylonian (laughs) accent? Yes, well. um, (laughs) (laughs) Aramaic, I should say. Yeah, (laughs) right. Yes, but you have been weighed. It means you have been weighed in the balance and found one. Nicely thing. done, sir. Nicely done, Craig. I authored a book, co-authored a book um, called uh, "American Greatness," and I'd like to give you a signed copy of it if you'll accept that. I not only would I accept, I would walk there to get it. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> we won't make you walk. Uh, we may make you drive. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, thank you, Craig, and and um, if you stay on hold, my producer will work out the logistics with you. Uh, that's right. Uh, the writing on the wall. People uh, say that phrase all the time. They may not know it comes from the Book of Daniel. There's a lot of everyday phrases that come from the Bible and Shakespeare. You know a phrase not in the Bible that often people say, God helps those who helps themselves. That's not in the Bible. What's in the Bible? The 11th hour, wit's end, blind leading the blind. Uh, the writing on the wall. That's the writing on the wall. Many, many tekel a parson. The writing on the wall. It's not just a um, lyric from Paul Simon's Kodachrome. Uh, feet of clay? Yeah, sure. Feet of clay. Good one, Bill. There's a lot of... Uh, 
lot of <laughs> a lot of phrases from the Bible. We should do Shakespeare and Tom Wolfe. Tom Wolfe gave us a lot of great phraseology too. Do people realize how many phrases the novelist Tom Wolfe gave us, including "good old boys," including the phrase "good old boys." Uh, of course, the right stuff, Masters of the Universe, uh, Mao Maoing the Flat Catchers, Radical Chic, my favorite of his phraseology. Uh, there's a ton. Uh, Bonfire of the Vanities, there's a ton uh, that Tom Wolfe uh, gave to the English language. You would do worse to understand literature if the only three books you read were the Bible, the only three authors and books you read were the Bible, Shakespeare, and Tom Wolfe. The Bible... Shakespeare and Tom Wolfe. You start with that education, you'd be an educated man. That's about roughly the education without Tom Wolfe. Frederick Douglass had. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960, open line Friday. Anything on your mind? We'll be right back. <laughs> 